Well, today we're going to talk about a story that um, if you've been around church at all, you've heard of. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And I have to pause to make sure I don't continue by saying he was a wee little man. <laughs> story of Zacchaeus. Um, it's found in Luke uh, chapter 19. So let's read through that and say a prayer over our scripture today. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your scripture today. We thank you for this story. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to glean from it the truths that you want us to learn today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Zacchaeus had one goal. His goal was to see Jesus. And yet in this, as the story unfolds, we realize that Jesus had much more in mind for Zacchaeus. As we read the story, we, we learn a little bit about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was known for, um, and I'm going to be politically correct here, but he's known for his short stature. I even had to look it up. How do you say short without offending anyone? Um, and I think the PC term is short stature. And I'm just going to pause a moment and um, apologize to my mom because my mom is the shortest person in our family, and we were not very politically correct with her growing up. I'm pretty sure her second name was Hobbit, which is not PC. So let's not refer to Zacchaeus as a Hobbit. But um, Zacchaeus is known for being short, and he's known for being um, the chief tax collector. And a little history lesson at this time, so the Israelites had been conquered by Rome. And when they were conquered by Rome... The Romans forced the Israelites to pay taxes to Rome. But the Israelites obviously didn't want to. That wasn't their um, their chosen <clears throat> government. And so they didn't want to pay taxes. And what Rome did is they selected Israelites among the Israelites to be their tax collectors. And their job was to go to their brothers and sisters and to take the taxes and then send them off to Rome. And one of the ways that these tax collectors made their living was that they charged extra. And so they, they didn't just charge the amount of taxes that they were sending to Rome, but they would charge extra, and then they would pocket the extra taxes um, that they were collecting. And just like today with our no one likes taxes, to pay have to pay taxes, um, no one really likes see, you know doing that. Back then it was the same way. And so Zacchaeus and the the tax collectors were despised. They were considered traitors because here they're Israelites and yet they're working for 
for Rome. And so you can imagine Zacchaeus, you know, he's short, he's a tax collector, and he's got a lot of money, but he is not a well-liked, well-liked person. But he hears of Jesus, and he wants to go see Jesus. And his goal is just to see Jesus, to figure out who, who is this guy. But Jesus had a much bigger goal for Zacchaeus. He, he's traveling along, and he sees Zacchaeus um, up in the tree, and he stops, and he addresses him by name, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to stay at your house today. And in that culture, to stay at someone's house was was um, off, it was honoring to them. To be a host was a position of honor. And so for Jesus to say to Zacchaeus, I'm going to stay at your house, that was showing Zacchaeus that he valued him and that he was honoring him. And Zacchaeus recognizes this immediately. It says in verse 6, So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. It doesn't tell us what happened at Zacchaeus's house. I kind of, kind of wonder. I imagine there was food involved because when you're host, you, you do meals together. And I imagine there was a lot of conversation involved and a lot of people there, probably not just Jesus. I imagine there are disciples and other followers there. And so we don't know what they talked about. We don't know exactly what happened, but we see the results of what happened. And in verse seven, um, it talks about a negative result of one of the things that happened. So it says, verse 7, when the people saw this, they began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. The people began to, to gossip about Zacchaeus and about Jesus. And they're thinking, you know, Zacchaeus isn't quite worthy enough to be the host, Jesus's host. He's not good enough. He's, he's a sinner and he's a tax collector. And there is just a lot, a lot of this grumbling against Zacchaeus. And I would venture to say, um, even in our lives, there's a lot of naysayers in our lives. When something good happens to us, you have these people, they're like just bickering a little bit, just talking a little bit behind your back. And this is what's happening to to Zacchaeus. That is, that is not what Jesus um, is paying attention to in this story. That is not what Jesus is about in this story. In verse 8, we see the positive result of Zacchaeus spending time with Jesus. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So he commits to give half of his wealth to the poor, and then he commits to giving back four times the amount of what he has cheated. Now, can you imagine um, having to go to a lot of different people, because he's the chief tax collector, and say, first confess, hey, by the way, this is how much I cheated you. This is how much I charged you that I pocketed. Imagine having to say that, and then the expression on their face when he gives them four times that amount. This was a dramatic change in Zacchaeus's life, and you can see that in his priorities and in, in just how his life turns around. And in verse 9, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house, because of this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, which is Jesus, the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. 
I love this story because we see a dramatic change in Zacchaeus. And that change happens when he spends time with Jesus. Um, in our church, one, some of our core values are right up here, belong, believe, become. And um, this story really demonstrates the become portion in that flow. So as we spend time with Jesus, our hearts are changed by the Holy Spirit, and we're transformed in our behaviors, and our lifestyle follows, follows that transformation. So this is a story of dramatic change, and it's this kind of change that I want to talk about today. So tomorrow is... January 1st. Happy New Year's Eve. So there's a lot of people talking about change, and there's a lot of people talking about starting over and setting new goals and setting New Year's resolutions. Um, I have a few myself. I haven't told Micah yet. You're welcome to tell him. But uh, my next, my, my, my first New Year's resolution this year is going to be not to pick the M&Ms out of the granola mix first. <laughs> he really loves it when I do that. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm thinking this New Year's, um, January 1st, tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and my craving for Nutella and warm, freshly baked bread is just going to go away and it's just going to be a whole new start of, of healthy eating, right? Isn't that how it works? You just decide and it, it happens. Nutella's healthy and some of us are still in denial and that's okay. You know, I saw this meme on, um, online this week. I thought this was pretty awesome. New Year's, good ideas plus poor execution equals New Year's resolution. That's kind of how it works. And then there is this cartoon that I saw too. And this is often how we approach New Year's resolutions. We decide we're going to eat healthy And then you can see we try to punish ourselves or we worry about it. See the healthy, healthy oats on one side and the junk food on the other side in the mousetrap just waiting to snap, snap our hands. See, often we think when we make New Year's resolution or we want to, to change something in our life that it just takes willpower and, and grit and determination. And if we just work hard enough at it, then, um, it'll happen. I found a statistic, and I found a whole bunch of statistics, so who knows which one is actually accurate. But online, um, one of the articles I read said, said that more than 50% of people who make New Year's resolutions will um, fail at that resolution before the end of the first week of January. Before, and then I saw another one that had that same statistic and said it just takes one day. You know, one day, <laughs> then um, half of the people will have already will have already failed. Now, I I don't want to discourage you from making New Year's resolutions because we actually do have New Year's resolutions that have to do with eating and health and and a a more balanced um, lifestyle. But I would probably recommend setting some mini goals to to get you there so you have some, a pathway that you're going to, that's going to happen. But today what I, what I want to explore is a different question. Not what New Year's resolution I would set or we would set for ourselves, but what New Year's resolution would God set for us if God were writing a New Year's resolution? So if God was going to write one New Year's resolution for 2018 for you, what would it be? And really, 
I think you're the only one who can answer that. No one can answer that for you. But I think it's a question that, that deserves some attention and some reflection. In Zacchaeus' story, we see how God had so much more in store for him than he could ever imagine. He just wanted to see Jesus. And then after spending time with Jesus, his whole life changed. And he found such blessing in that. I believe that God has a lot in store for us in 2018. And that is a beautiful and wonderful things that are in store for us and that we need to seek those, seek those out. There's a verse, um, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says this about God. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I can ask or imagine a lot of things. And God, through his powerful Holy Spirit working in us, can do immeasurably more than that. And I believe he has things in store for each of us individually and also as a collective, as a church Um in 2018. So let's ask that question. What does God want for us in 2018? And there's some general answers that I think would apply to everyone. Uh, we know from scripture that God wants us to know his love, that God wants us to live out of his love, that God wants us to share the gospel with people and to be his hands and feet in this world. And so all of those general things could be you know, what God is speaking, speaking to, to each of us. But then there's also some specific answers that maybe are just for you in this season of life or just for me with the struggles that I'm going through or the challenges that I'm facing. Maybe for some of us it's um, to experience his grace and forgiveness this, this year and to um, experience that at a deeper level where we're able to forgive others and we're able to forgive ourselves because of God's grace. Maybe it's to experience his peace more. Maybe your life right now, you're finding some situations and, of chaos and, and you're experiencing turmoil. And maybe his peace is what he has in store for you. Maybe for some of us, it has to do with relationships, strengthening relationships or healing broken relationships or maybe developing new relationships. Maybe for others, it's experiencing God's comfort and God's healing in a season of loss or grief. Or maybe you're just beginning something new, a new job or, yay, a new job. Maybe you're just beginning something new or, or you're entering into a new role or, you, you know, you're having a baby or you're moving or a new job. And, and God wants to show you what it looks like, wants to empower you to be a Jesus follower in that situation. So I don't know what, what God has in store for you, but I invite you to ask that question. What New Year's resolution would God write for me? What does God want for me in 2018? I've been asking myself that question. And, um, and in this season, the word that keeps coming to mind is trust. And I hear God saying to me, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with the unknown. I want you to trust me with the things that are out of your control 
want you to trust me more. And I've been a Jesus follower for as long as I can remember. I grew up in a Christian family. You know, my faith has changed, you know, and, and grown and, and gone different directions as I've, as I've, um, grown older, as my kids would say. <laughs> but, but I've trusted God, I feel like, my whole life. But as I experience new things or new challenges, um, I have to learn to trust God in that situation with, with those things. And for me, um, in my life, worry is a, is a telltale sign that I'm not trusting God with the things that really matter. When I start to worry about my kids, I start to worry about my family, start to worry about what people think or, or friendships or even, even the church, and I start to worry and grow anxious, it's just a sign for me that I'm not trusting in God the way that he wants me to. And I could throw my hands up in the air and say, you know what, I'm just a worrier. That's just my personality. That's how I've always been. That's how I was as a kid. And I could just live like that my whole life, which a lot of people do. Or I could stop and reflect on it and and ask the question, God, what do you have for me in this area in my life? How do you want to change me? How do you want to transform me in this area? And I believe God is saying to me, I have more trust in store for you in 2018. And I'm going to work in you to develop a a deeper level of trust. And I'm going to bless you by exchanging your worry with trust and a rest that comes from that trust in God. God can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. And we each have these areas in our lives that we need God's transforming power to change us for the better. I was reading this last week from the Book of Common Prayer. It's actually on my phone. It's an app. It's kind of one of the ways I do my devotional. The Book of Common Prayer is um, a compilation of like old and new um, liturgical traditions, compiling prayers and devotional thoughts and scriptures. And there is this quote in there uh, this week that I thought was super powerful. This is a 20th century Quaker, Thomas Kelly wrote, Over the margins of life comes a whisper, a faint call, a premonition of a richer living, which we know we are passing by. We have hints that there is a way of life vastly richer or deeper than all this hurried existence, a life of unhurried serenity and peace and power. If only we could slip over into that center. If only we could find the silence, which is the source of sound a whisper, a faint call, a premonition of richer living. I love that. Because even if things are going well, I think many of us um, would say, you know, there's more. There's more richness to be found in God and in a life transformed by God. And if we pause the busyness of life and reflect, we could find the serenity and peace and the power in the presence of God. Of God, so that's what I invite us to do um, today and this week, because it probably will take longer than a day. But to ask the question, what does God want for each of us in 2018? Um, now, there's a paradox, though, that I want to talk about. So, on one hand, we need to stop everything. We need to spend time with God and and allow God to transform us. And this is a supernatural work 
of God in us that only God can do. And we saw that in, in Zacchaeus' story. Only spending time with Jesus could change Zacchaeus' life in that way. Philippians 1, six says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it's God who works in us. It's God who changes us. And um, he, he is powerful to do that. So we have to stop and allow him to do that. So that's, so that's on one hand. On the other hand, um, we are also called to actively pursue God and, and to follow him and to obey and to do good. So there's this commitment level on our part that we need to live out. And you can also see that in Zacchaeus' story. So, so he spent time with Jesus, and Jesus changed his heart and changed his perspective, and then he had to follow through with that and then change his lifestyle and, and right the wrongs that he had done. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house not because of what Zacchaeus did, but because um, of, of Zacchaeus' change of heart, and, and his actions were a demonstration of the salvation that comes through Jesus. So it's the same for us. We become active participants in what God is doing, both in us and around us. So this helps me to think of New Year's resolutions differently. It's not completely up to my willpower and my determination and how well I stick with it. And it's, not, it's also not that I'm completely passive and say, well, I will just let God do all the change in my life and I'll just sit back and let God do it all. It, it's a combination of those two things. Rather, we're, we're opening ourselves up to God inviting God in to transform us, and then also actively taking steps to follow through with the changes that God has in store for us. There's another, um, there's a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer that I want to read that I think has to do with this as well, this dichotomy of, of being active in, in doing your part, our part, but also allowing God to do his part. It says, Lord, with your coming, our lives have a greater demand placed upon them. Help us learn the art of active, consistent service while maintaining enough silent spaces to hear your call. Active, constant service while maintaining enough silent spaces to hear your call. That's the challenge. And in reality, that helps that helps us. That helps me because it's not all up to me. I don't have to make one New Year's resolution and say, I'm going to work super, super hard to get this done, and it's all on me. We get to share that, that burden. And God really does the heavy lifting uh, when it comes to changing our hearts and, and changing our lifestyles. So I want to invite us um, today. So we're asking this question, what does God have for us um, for each of us in 2018, but I want to invite us to choose um, a Bible verse and and l- let that Bible verse be your theme for 2018. And this is going to take some thought and reflection on your part, and it might take it might take a few days for you to come up with a with a Bible verse. But I'm thinking this Bible verse can be our theme, can be our New Year's resolution, and it can help remind us what it is that, that, 
God is working on in our hearts. And it's uh, just something concrete to go back to and, and revisit throughout the year at different times. And so I chose a Bible verse. Um, my New Year's resolution is based on Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And I memorized this as a kid. But um, in, in my season of life now, this verse um, takes on a whole new meaning for me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. For me, I hear trust instead of worry. I hear lean, lean on God. Rely on God instead of on yourself all the time. I hear the word submit to him, and I think yield, surrender, allow him to be in control. He is anyways. I just try to pretend like I'm in control, like yielding to God. And then that last line, I love it, and I've had some conversation with God about it. It says, he will make your path straight. I'm like, can we just change that to easy? And he will make your path easier? Because isn't that often what we want? God, if I'm following you, then it should be easier, right? And that's not what the verse says. He will make your path straight. It will be right. It will be good. There is a lot of good in following God. So God's part in this, in this New Year's resolution is to change my heart and to change how I, how I respond to things that are out of my control, the things that I worry about. But my part in this is to continually place myself in the presence of God and to open myself up to God and allow Jesus access to those places in my heart and my mind that are filled with worry. And so it's, it's a dual thing. God does the heavy lifting, but I have to open myself up, up to him. Now, with like the meme that we looked at before, you know, good ideas plus poor execution equals New Year's resolution. Like, it's probably also good to come up with some more concrete things um, to kind of keep me on track on my part. And so um, here are a few things that I'm committing to. Um, that will help structure that for me. I'm going to memorize um, this passage. So memorize these two verses and then quote them to myself when I worry. So when I catch myself in that downward spiral of, oh, I'm so anxious and worried about whatever it is, to quote that out loud to myself. And I love praying scripture. I don't know if you've done that um, before, so praying the scripture, say I'm worried about my, my child, uh, one of my kids for, for whatever reason. Say, you know, God, I trust you with all my heart. Lord, I trust you to take care of my children. Lord, I'm not going to lean on what I know, and I really feel like I don't know much right now as a parent. Lord, please help me. Give me your wisdom. Let me lean on your understanding. And God, I submit to you. I, I take the situation and I put it at your feet. And I ask you, please take care of my children and teach me how to parent. And Lord, help them to know you. Help them to have a straight path, a good relationship with you. So I can take that, 
that scripture and pray it um, over whatever situation I'm feeling at that time. So memorize the scripture, quote it when I'm, when I'm worrying. I also love to journal. For me, journaling, I'm able to articulate things that I can't articulate when I'm talking. And so journaling periodically about my worries and giving them over to God. And did you notice that word periodically? I've stopped making resolutions where I do things every day or every other day or even every week. Like grace. <laughs> like I want to give myself grace. And, and for you, you might need more structure. For me, the structure sometimes is overwhelming. And so I say periodically, I'm going to stop and I'm going to come back to this. and I'm going to visit this. And then a Sabbath rest and reflection. And uh, a Sabbath rest is, is a time, it's a very intentional time. It's a time set aside to be with God. And a time set aside to reflect on what God is doing and to be in his presence. It's, it's different than escaping, like watching a movie. Not that there's anything wrong with watching a movie. It's different than escaping into a movie or a book or an activity. Um, instead, it's being intentional with that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So taking the time to have regular Sabbaths rest and reflection. So memorizing scripture, journaling, and Sabbath rest and reflection. I don't know what God has in store for you in 2018, but I invite you to ask him. I invite you to ask him and to reflect on what God wants to do in your life to ask that question. And like in Zacchaeus' story, I believe God has some amazing things that he wants to do in our life. So what, what does God want to do in your life? Will you prayerfully reflect on what God is saying? Will you choose a theme verse for 2018? And if you want help finding the, a theme verse, I can totally, Mike and I would love to help you do that. I want to end today with um, Philippians, the verse we read a few minutes ago. I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for the work that you are doing in us. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of your followers, Lord, that, that guides us and transforms us. And God, we just want to open ourselves up to you and invite you in into those places that um, need change. And Lord, we invite you to transform us, to be more Christ-like, to be more loving, to be more like you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we ask some of these questions to find rhythms um, that will enable us to spend time with you and to reflect and also rhythms that enable us to to do what you have called us to do, to go back and forth between the action and the reflection. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.